Welcome to worship at Seattle Mennonite Church. We are all on Indigenous land wherever we are, wherever you are, you are on Indigenous land as well. And here in Seattle, we're on the traditional land of the Duwamish, the first people of Seattle. The Duwamish live and thrive here despite centuries of violence and aggression and erasure. And we recognize our identity primarily in this congregation as settler colonizers. And we seek to discomfort and unsettle ourselves as we work to be in repaired relationship with the first peoples of this land and of all lands. You might consider a gift to the Duwamish or the first peoples wherever you are, um, perhaps even a regular monthly real rent payment. We are fortunate here in Seattle that we have a group that uh, worked out this program of real rent. Um, I just have auto deduct every month and it's my, I sometimes have said, it's my favorite monthly bill. Um, really glad to be able to contribute that way. And that is one way, one of many ways to show respect and gratitude for the lands where we live and work and play. Today is our final Sunday of Eastertide. And the whole Easter season is about that early community of Jesus followers after, the, after his crucifixion and his resurrection. It's those, that early community and communities that began to wonder together and stumble through figuring out what it meant to live as a Jesus following community together. And it was a time of rapid movement and growth as this movement spread all over the Mediterranean region and then eventually beyond. And today we will hear a portion of the book of Galatians, which is a letter to one of those early Jesus-following communities in Galatia, and Paul's exhortation to that community to live a life in the Spirit, bearing the fruits of the Spirit. It is also our Gifts Discernment Sunday, in which we celebrate the fruits of the Spirit alive and well in so many of us. Gifts Discernment Sunday is when we begin to call folks into leadership in our community, devoted as we are not simply to relying on a certain few, but instead sharing leadership amongst the whole body, sharing that leadership broadly. More on that soon, but for now, let us call ourselves to worship. And for this call to worship, I invite you to join Pastor Amy in speaking aloud the green print. We gather in preparation. For good news is about to be proclaimed. We gather in expectation. For joy is about to break forth in our midst. We gather in celebration. For we are people who say yes to God's invitation. In preparation, expectation, and celebration, let us worship. And let us worship with a joyous Alleluia. Friends, it is my pleasure to welcome Jesse Morris into worship this morning. Um, 
by way of introduction, gratitude. Uh, Jesse came to us early in the formation of the Oaks in terms of letting us know of her interest in joining the team and being a part of building something from the ground up. It doesn't take, it takes a real special kind of energy to be willing to show up in a place where we can't really tell you what it's all gonna be or how, where it's gonna go. Um, but passion is what Jesse is bringing into the table every day as part of the case management team. She is also invested in this neighborhood. Her congregation, Bethany Church up at Lake, that meets up at Lake City Prez, uh, has connected her to this community. And it is out of that love for this community that she has come to the work. So welcome, Jesse. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Um, it's really good to be here. Uh, I feel like it's been a long time coming for me to connect with this community a little bit because I've known about y'all for a long time. So it's really cool to be here today. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm one of the case managers at the Oaks and it was a little while back that Jonathan asked me to say some words about what brings me joy in doing social work. Um, and so as I've been settling into this position and um, new job, people are moving in and they're settling in themselves. Um, this has been a really good question for me to kind of sit on is, well, where's the joy for me? Um, because here I am, you know, all day <laughs> and, uh, and, and where's the joy? So I've been really sitting on this question and there's so much that I like about my job. Um, I like the vast like, range of personalities that both live at the Oaks and work there. Um, and I like walking with people, um, on their journey. I've always been really interested in the decision-making process. And so much of my job is just watching people wrestle with what decisions they want to make. Um, you know, I'm really privileged to witness some real resilience amongst people in their fight for hope. So there's so many things that I like about my job. Um, but when I thought about what brings me joy, you know, none of these things really stood out. Um, in fact, I'm kind of introverted. And so a lot of the times the social nature of my job actually ends up being exhausting to me. Um, but, but there really is real joy there for me in the work. So I started thinking about this and I'll try to explain it. Um, so I think that doing this type of work um, really kind of shakes out of you the sort of like disauthenticity or kind of barriers or walls um, that we kind of hold around ourselves all the time as kind of the social norms that we fit into. Um, the work is raw and it's emotional. Um, it's awkward a lot of the time and I feel like myself and the folks that I'm working with are just constantly breaking these social norms that we, that we live with. Um, so any kind of notions that you have at first of coming into being in social work and having right answers or um, being really composed and professional or somehow, you know, being, I'm going to be above this social system that we all live in. You know, all of that just feels like it gets shattered like very quickly. Um, and uh, at first this kind of felt like a punch in the gut for me when I got into social work. Um, but um, kind of as you settle into it and get adjusted, you start to realize that all of these kind of high expectations of yourself that you carried um, and all of these kind of social norms, you don't really want or have to continue to carry them. Um, and so I saw myself really start to relax into my work and into life like I hadn't before. Um, you start to say weirder things to people and let longer silences just kind of hang in the air um, and in the room. And you learn how to fess up to your mistakes because you make them all the time in this work. And uh, it starts to just kind of take too much energy to hold up the 
the BS with yourself or with anyone else anymore. And so you just kind of let things go and start to be yourself. Um, and then as I, as this work really taught me how to just be okay with being myself, then at the end of the day, you know, it was just myself standing before God and, um, I felt seen, you know, and that is really what brings me joy. So I think that I'm grateful for the folks that I've worked with a lot of them and just for this field for kind of, you know, punching out a lot of those high expectations that, that we carry, um, or that disauthenticity and just kind of helping me to be authentic before others and before God. And, uh, and there's been so much joy for me in that. So I think that that is why I like the work and why, um, why I feel like it's where I can kind of jive and fit in. So been really thankful for my position at the Oaks and uh, we've got a lot of really neat folks who live there so I'm thankful to be uh, getting paid to be with them. Thank you Jesse. what a gift to have you here. Yeah it's really good to be here. Thanks everyone. As we light our just peace candle again this week, we acknowledge that we both witness to and participate in God's vision for a just peace for all creation. And today I specifically wanna highlight the word of witness that we've just heard, the call into being an authentic self in community with others and in relationship to God. And, uh, Part of, I guess, me being my authentic self with y'all is just saying, I also want to name a place that I feel completely powerless about. I want to also specifically name Palestine and the people of the Palestinian territories and just my deep longing and sorrow, um, longing for a just peace. So together as a collection of authentic selves seeking to be that in community with one another and God who long for justice and peace around the world, we say, we long for a just peace, we pray for a just peace, and we choose to live for a just peace. Peace be with you all. And also with you. You may have read my newsletter attached to this week's e-communicator, and you may not have, but if you did, you might have read a description of how and why we engage this discernment of leaders and giftedness together in the way that we do. We are beginning the process now that helps us to look ahead toward the fall when new folks will join the work of our joint councils and spiritual leadership team and other leadership groups, and we give thanks for and bless those who are bringing closure to their terms of service. We're looking for your prayerful discernment of those in the congregation who may have gifts to share. This is our Gifts Discernment Sunday. We'll together prayerfully ponder leadership needs and gifts in our congregation. And we've been doing it this way for several years now. So it will likely feel more familiar to those of you um, who've been around for a while, more so than it did several years ago when we shifted things in a way. And we strive to be a community that shares our leadership broadly. We seek to discern well the particular giftedness of folks. And we also wanna notice maybe where sparks of gifts might be fanned into flame in new or surprising ways. Jennifer, our chair of spiritual leadership team is gonna share just a little more context about how we discern leaders. Thank you, Megan, and good morning, friends. The discernment of leaders here in our church does come from a place of abundance. We are abundantly gifted across our spectrum. The overwhelming majority of all of you are far more gifted than I am. And so I just sit here and revel in the giftedness of this congregation. We seek to learn where that abundance can be shared within our community. And we also commit to a transparent and communally held model. So today we're going to again engage 
our leadership discernment process together. Um, Megan has just put into the chat a leadership discernment form. Um, and if you decide to fill out that form while listening here to our worship, please do so. Um, indeed, as Megan wrote in her recent newsletter, this process of discerning leaders isn't just administrative business in our church, but is part of our spiritual discernment together uh, that we are prayer prayerfully holding and part of our holy work of being a discerning body. So you also can just fill out this form a little bit later, um, just in the coming week or two. We really would love to have them by the end of this month. Um, so we want everyone to have the chance to notice and name the giftedness of others in the community and also to share your own sense of giftedness and calling. Yes, you too can serve in Seattle Mennonite church leadership. I strongly encourage you to do so. So after we gather together these forms, um, and again, we'd love to have them um, by the end of May, the three uh, council chairs and um, myself as, as chair of the spiritual leadership team and Greg as our congregational chair, will then meet together to engage the next step of discerning together. Megan is sharing a slide with the current team of five chairs. So we will review all the forms that are, that are submitted. We will assess needs and giftedness across the whole congregation and extend invitations to new leaders. So a lead pastor, Megan, our lead pastor will provide support to us in this process as we, as we gather together. Um, and we, in, in so doing, we seek to match the needs with, uh, the, of, of the different councils and spiritual leadership team with giftedness and strive for diversity in the constellation of each leadership group. Also note, in this leadership discernment form is uh, recommended re recommendations for the commission for disposition of the MVS property. So please um, be very prayerful and thoughtful of, of uh, if you are feeling called to serve on that, on that commission, um, we would love to have that. So we are striving for diversity in the constellation of each leadership group. So we're going to do all that good hard work here in the next month or so. And then um, in September of each of, of this year, we will bid farewell to outgoing leaders and welcome and integrate new leaders and bless and commission our leaders in worship. Hopefully not on Zoom, but we shall see. So we are excited to again engage this transparent and inclusive process of leadership discernment and thank you all in advance for the part you will play. And especially if you are feeling called, please do not be shy. Do not be shy. Please fill, that, fill out that form and let us know. And then of course, if you have any questions, feel free to talk with any one of us. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Jennifer. Let us sing together to Mamina. Our children's time this morning is this book. Maybe God is like that too. And the reason I chose it is because if we listen in a minute to Pastor Megan reading the scripture, we'll hear some of the same, some of the same words and language that we hear in this book, which is about a family made up of a grandmother and a grandson who live in the city. I live in the city where the sidewalks and subway cars and buildings and buses are packed with people, but I've never seen God before. See our friend in the window. 
Grandma, does God live in the city? I asked one morning at breakfast. Yes, God is here, she says. You just need to know where to look. Wherever you see love, joy, and peace, God is there, she says, stirring her tea. Wherever there's patience, kindness, and goodness, God is there too. When you see faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that's God's spirit at work. On the way to school, I'm on the lookout. I see a bus full of tourists. I count 10 bright yellow taxis. I spy a man sweeping a stoop. And grandma and I laugh when we see a tiny dog wearing a fluffy purple sweater. At school, grandma hands me my lunch and hugs me before she says goodbye. That's what love looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. On the swings, I pump so hard I see over the wall into the alley. My friends shout higher, higher as my feet fly way up into the sky. That's what joy looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. Outside, the car horns blast and sirens scream, but my classroom is quiet and calm. That's what peace looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. I try to tie my shoes, but the laces tangle around my fingers. My teacher sits down beside me and shows me how to tie them. That's what patience looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. On the way home, I see a doorman wearing a red cape and a hat with a shiny brim. He's holding the door, <clears throat> holding the door for a man using a wheelchair. The man moves very slowly and the doorman chats with him and smiles. That's what kindness looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. While I'm setting the table for dinner, there's a knock at our door. It's our neighbor from downstairs, bringing us a loaf of bread. It's golden and warm and wrapped in a thin white towel. That's what goodness looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. After dinner, I work on my homework while grandma stands at the kitchen table, at the kitchen sink washing dishes, humming to herself just like she does every single night. That's what faithfulness looks like to me. And maybe God is like that too. At bedtime, grandma sits at the edge of my bed, sitting, singing me a lullaby and stroking my head. She tucks my blankets up close around me. That's what gentleness looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. I lie in bed watching the curtains flutter. I want to talk about that dog we saw today and how high I can swing. But grandma says that once I'm tucked in, I have to stay in bed until morning. I close my eyes and try to fall asleep. That's what self-control looks like to me. Maybe God is like that too. I saw God over and over again today. Whenever I saw love and peace and joy, and whenever there was patience and kindness and goodness, when I saw faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, I saw God's spirit at work. I don't see God the way I see my friends or the street lights or the river, but I see signs of God's spirit all around me right here in the city. I know what God is like. Maybe I can be like that too. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that is from Galatians 5, 22 to 23, which Pastor Megan will read. Excerpts from Galatians 4 and 5. 
I am saying that as long as the heirs are minors, they are no different from slaves, though they really are the owners of everything. However, they are placed under trustees and guardians until the date set by their parents. In the same way, when we were minors, we were also enslaved by this world's system. But when the fulfillment of time came, God sent the son born through a woman and born under the law. This was so God could redeem those under the law so that we could be adopted. Because you are the children of God, God sent the spirit of the son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if you are God's child, then you are also an heir through God. I say, be guided by the spirit and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the spirit and the spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other. So you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. But if you're being led by the spirit, you aren't under the law. The actions that are produced by selfish motives are obvious since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use and casting spells, hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, partying. Ah, uh, I like partying. And other things like that. I warn you, as I have already warned you, that those who do these kinds of things won't inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and now I can't help myself, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the self with its passions and its desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. Let's not become arrogant or make each other angry or be jealous of each other. <sighs> for the complicated word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God sometimes set to song within us, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Why adopt an adult? This is the title of a short article on LegalZoom.com, which reads, the most common reason to, an adopt, to adopt an adult, says the article, is for inheritance purposes. In this case, adult adoption allows one to leave property or financial assets to the adopted individual more easily. The second reason, almost as common, is to formalize existing parent-child relationship. For example, parents can adopt a now adult foster child or stepchild. Why am I quoting LegalZoom.com on adult adoption? Uh, in essence, it's because this is exactly the metaphor that Paul is using to describe belonging in God's family. It's very legal language that Megan read off the top of that uh, quote from Galatians 4. Uh, and Paul is adopting this adoptive language for the way we belong in God's family. There, there's a cultural trope that adoptive families are somehow not quote unquote real families, that adoptive parents are not real parents, which is of course complete and utter BS. We, we know that real is not a real category. Um, if you've seen the classic 2004 film, Dodgeball, the true underdog story, uh, weirdly a favorite of my father-in-law, you may remember Vince Vaughn's character, Vince Vaughn's character, Peter, um, retorting to some Girl Scouts who have thoroughly bested their dodgeball team. He shouts, you're adopted. Your parents don't love you. Uh, families in our community Certainly friends of mine who are adoptive know that real is not a category of family that looks a particular way. 
Uh, I love the definition of family that um, Ori's kindergarten teacher used. I, I'm always listening and learning on online kindergarten. And when they were talking about family identity, they did a unit on family identity. The definition that we heard over and over again is family is the people you take care of and who take care of you. Uh, that is what family is. And in fact, even in the children's time that, uh, that I just read, the family that's represented in that book is a real family. It's a grandmother and a grandchild, and they are a real family. A beautiful example of a real family. For Paul, that community of care, the people who take care of us and who we take care of, that's important. But it, the legalness of adoption is also really important for Paul. Adoption formalizes a relationship for adults and for kids. Foster kids who get adopted have a legal connection to their parents that they didn't have in a foster relationship. International kids who are adopted are granted citizenship through their adoption. And most importantly, in Paul's metaphor, adoptive children become heirs. They inherit. All of us have been adopted into the family of Christ. My family name and yours, my family name is no longer Eth, it's Jesus. That is my family name in this community of Christ. Or De Jesus, which is actually a real name. Uh, the one I know was a baseball player for the Cubs, but that's the one I thought of. Being in the Jesus family means that we are inheritors of the riches of God's kingdom. We don't have to wait for some future date to receive this inheritance, to receive this bounty. We have access right now in the same way that God's kingdom is already in breaking right now. We have access. Uh, and this treasure trove, it will not surprise you. It is not uh, gold or property or fancy jewelry. Our inheritance as members of the family of Christ is the spirit of Christ. It's the spirit of God and the bounty of the fruit of the spirit. Uh, a little underwhelming if you were expecting like an emerald necklace or something, but this is an, an, an inheritance that we get to experience together right now as a family who have been adopted into the family Jesus, last name Jesus. Uh, as always, I take a little bit of issue with Paul who frames things in ways and makes assumptions that I don't always uh, get behind. Um, some of it I can chalk up to the distance of culture and the distance of time. Uh, in some translations, I asked Megan to use this translation in particular from the Common English Bible, because in some translations, we see the words, we see Paul pit flesh against spirit as if our bodies are somehow inherently uh, bad and sinful, which I don't think he meant, but that is definitely the sense that we get uh, from having read these works over many years. And, and I appreciate the way that the translators in this version uh, talk about the thing that we, that we struggle against is desires, selfish desires. It's selfishness and self-interest, which according to Paul, are obvious. Again, take a little bit of, uh, just a little bit of issue with Paul at assuming what is obvious to all people. But here is what he takes for granted. Sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, very vague. Does Paul think that selfishness or selflessness feels bad? Anyway, idolatry, drug use, casting spells, Again, interpreted elsewhere as sorcery, no witchcraft. Uh, hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousness, drunkenness, partying, and the catch-all other things like that. Uh, so he assumes that we know all the other things. Um, so I do take issue with Paul's judginess in general. Uh, but I also do not believe that he's saying, by the way, Megan, I don't think he's saying don't party. Partying is allowed. Uh, he's not saying you're damned if you get drunk. But the tenses, the Greek tenses and what he's writing indicate like if this is an ongoing pattern of behavior, if this is, a, if this is happening again and again, that's something that's showing a rift between me and 
God's spirit. It's showing that I have not made space for God to produce fruit within me. Um, so that's that there's not that same, if those are those, if the self-serving behaviors continue, that's not making space for being a part of God's family. Paul is not also, Paul is also not saying that when you are super connected, when you're plugged in to your family of faith, to other adoptive siblings, that there will be no fighting or conflict. Paul knows we are human and human community means that there will be rifts. There will be conflict. But if the spirit is present with us, then we will seek. If we are open to the spirit, if we are ready to be adopted into this family, then we will be producing fruits of love and joy and peace. And Megan beat me to it, so I'm not going to sing it, but we will be producing fruits of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. We will be producing fruits of faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. It's less exotic fruit and it's less intoxicating fruit than say partying and casting spells, but it is infinitely more community building, infinitely more connecting to those who are in God's adoptive family with us. Experiencing the fruit of the spirit also takes a lot more practice than good old fashioned selfish desire. And for that reason, it's pretty great actually that we have siblings in this adoptive family who can help us out. We don't have to hoard this inheritance for ourselves. This is a good time not to be an only child. If you read my weekly newsletter for families, which I contend you will also find interesting if you are a family of one or a family with no children in it, you will have heard me say more than once, and I'm certainly going to say it again, that speaking a language of faith takes practice and that children learn that language of faith from their parents and from the people in their families. We learn how to show and share the fruits of the spirit by practicing this with our faith family, by seeing patience and love modeled by those who we care for and who take care of us. Like the grandmother and the grandchild in the story that I read before, they're teaching each other, they're naming and they're showing where they see God's spirit and where they see the fruits of the spirit at work in the world. We learn how to show and share those within our faith family. Now, like that's what discipleship is. Paul is not always himself the greatest at modeling uh, the fruit of patience, for example. In fact, he is very, very impatient with the Galatians. Um, it's kind of one of the things I like about this letter, actually, is that he's much more terse than he is in some of his other letters to churches. Less of the lovey-dovey language and more of the you foolish Galatians kind of language. He's showing them, showing his own frustration for their arguing and their divisions and implying to them that they're making trouble for him. He's very annoyed. In Paul's view, there is a literal battle going on between those spiritual powers of the world, which manifests itself in that selfish desire and the spirit of Christ, which manifests itself in the fruit of the spirit. So Paul is not at all confident in people's ability, in the Galatians' uh, ability in particular, to withstand those powers of the world. Not at all confident. But he is extremely confident in the power of the spirit to break through and produce fruit in them. Fruits that would like build unity and, uh, and build connection. And that's why he's urging them to seek that, to seek the spirit and make space for that. Um, I don't know that I would compare Jennifer to Paul. I don't know, Jennifer, if you would like that comparison or not. But as spiritual leadership team chair, Jennifer has over and over and over again had the same confidence in the work of the spirit in our community. Confidence that God's spirit will work within our congregation to produce fruit of connectedness and unity and faithfulness, and joy. While others of us uh, are frustrated or impatient or annoyed, 
I don't, Jennifer, maybe you're those things too. <laughs> Not putting it past you. We're all human after all. But again and again, Jennifer would express her confidence that the spirit would lead us and that we can trust the spirit's power in our midst. Similarly, I don't think that our congregation, like the congregation in Galatia, has, a, has been really at the point of rift or letting the interpretation of scripture divide us, which is where that congregation is. But we do have strongly held beliefs. And we do continue with big questions of transition, and we'll have to continue to wrestle over things as a family of faith. And I pray that we may continue to be family, people who take care of each other, people who I will take care of you and you will take care of me. May we continue to model for each other what it means to bear fruit that is love and joy and peace, that is patience, which grows kindness and goodness, which sprouts faithfulness and gentleness, and perhaps most difficult of all, self-control. Amen and may it be so. Teach us Christ how to love and hold each other in the space of our longings and our fears and our hopes and our gratitude. Please uh, share with us all if you have prayers to include for the community to use the chat. And I will include them as we continue in a spirit of prayer. Taking a deep breath. Thank you, Spirit. 
Teach us to pray, holy God, for you are always near. Your still voice, let us hear. Our souls are restless till they rest in you where we find strength anew. Before your presence, keep us still that we may find for us your will and seek your guidance every day. Teach us Christ how to pray. Offering now the prayers of your people gathered in Jesus' name. We give thanks to you, God, for the many gifts shared by the people of this congregation. We give thanks for our many leaders, for those who will carry on with their good work, for those who are bringing closure to their terms, and for those who will be invited into new roles. The generosity of this community is humbling, and we are grateful for each one. We pray for the people of Palestine today, suffering, suffering under occupation. We pray for the people of Israel, also suffering because of their occupation of Palestinian lands. We grieve the many of who died this week, so many children. Due to escalating violence, God have mercy. Injustice and occupation are harming everyone and we pray for what seems impossible, God. Make a way for your justice to roll down like a mighty stream and your peace to grow like a flourishing olive grove, God. Make a way for collective liberation where there seems to be no way. With Christian peacemaker teams, we pray for 100 Christian and Muslim families who fled their homes this past week because of Turkish bombardments and soldiers invading their lands. We pray that organizations provide help for the families forcefully displaced. May the Turkish invasion end so that people may return home. We continue to pray for our brother Larry Scheffler as he anticipates another month or more at a skilled care facility. We celebrate that he is receiving good care and experiencing his strength slowly improving be with him in this time and may he feel our prayer surrounding and supporting him. We pray for our sister Maxine Nord as she prepares for a second eye procedure on June 1st. We pray it will be successful in, in relieving pressure as it was on her first eye. We also pray for Natalia and Alex who have owned and managed her adult home as they prepare to sell the home and move. May the transition go smoothly and may the new owners create a space in which Maxine can thrive. <clears throat> we pray for ourselves, God. We are a community entering a season of significant transition and grieving. Hold us tenderly in your embrace and fill us with gratitude for the many holy labors of community ministry. You have worked an astounding work through this community and we give you thanks. Turning to the chat. Praying with Heidi today for her dad who is awaiting a biopsy for likely prostate cancer and hoping he will need only minimal treatments. Also praying for her youngest sister, Erica, who has to have a tumor removed from the roof of her mouth in June. Praying with Anna Elena for Mark's test tomorrow to come back clean. Praying with Kareth and Candace for college friend Christy who was recently diagnosed with leukemia and for her family, three kids and husband. So many medical concerns and the fears and the anxiety that's associated with these kinds of diagnosis. We pray for peace and for calm and support and love to be experienced in all of these families and in all of these households. Renew your church, O oh God, and restore our sense of ministry to one another and the world. Teach us your ways, God, and guide our paths. Teach us to pray, God, and to seek your holy wisdom. 
Teach us to love God with heart and mind and soul. We pray in Christ's name today. Amen. Amen. We are grateful for all the gifts that each of you offer our congregation and for the means to collect offerings digitally. And we bless the work that these gifts do in supporting the ministries of our congregation led by the many leaders within our congregation. I'm looking at a screen full of leaders and that is one of the strengths of our community, I do believe. Thanks be to God. Let us sing together in closing Praise God, our dedication anthem. I think it's the first time we've heard and sung this one together in over a year. And of course, we're singing it in this strange way, but we are also singing it um, in anticipation of being able to sing together again. For now, we join our voices with our voices because it is us singing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Friends, may you go into this week secure in the knowledge of belonging through adoption to this family who cares for one another. And may that familial belonging be part of what contributes to the growth and the flourishing of the fruits of the spirit in you, in your life, in your relationships, in your communities, and in the world. Hallelujah. Amen. And may it be so.